The following views and opinions expressed on Joy Has Questions podcast are not to be confused and or affiliated with any other corporations, companies, businesses, LLCs, and any other acronym that you can possibly think of. Basically, these are my own opinions on my own platform. And now everybody, let's get on with the show. Hey, good people. It's your girl Joy Has Questions, dropping some new fire for you all to listen to for the week. Starting with, you guessed it, you better know. If you're looking for some prehistoric ancestral dopeness, then look no further. Because if you have not heard of King Taki, I need you to stop what you're doing, do your research, write the and fuck now. I know the trailer for the Harriet Tubman biop just dropped, but trust me, he was just as dope. Originally a king from the Fonte Coast, which is modern-day Ghana, history doesn't really tell us too much over the group of people that he ruled over, but what it does share is that up until the time he was sold into slavery, he was a traitor himself. Once captured during the Commander Wars, he was sold to Jamaica. During this time around 1759, Taki and his followers had had enough of the bullshit and rebellion broke out. Now even let me just take a step back and say, when it comes down to the whole thing of Oh, black people sold black people. That was a definite tactic for internal war. If I know I'm beefing with Mansa Musa, and if I can broker a deal where half of his, you know, fighting force now is not what I have to deal with, hell yeah, I'm a, and I'm gonna make coins in the long run. Like, was it destructive ultimately? Yes, but I could honestly see the mindset of why a rival king would have done that. Getting back though to the rebellion. So it was known as Tacky's War or the 1760 Easter Rebellion of Port Maria. You know, that's what Caucasians called it. Ain't no black people. So if this was the rebellion of the silk shirts versus the blouses, stop it. This rebellion took place a year later and became the second largest and most shocking rebellion 30 years after Brefu led the Akumas in the 1733 St. John insurrection. The massive Akwamu Revolt is considered one of the longest lasting rebellions recorded in the history of the Americas. Ultimately, King Taki and other leaders led over 80 groups of people to fight against the British. Hello. The rebellion lasted until July when Taki was gunned down and killed. After he was shot, his head was cut and displayed in the center of the town to indicate that the rebellion had been stopped. Also to be disrespectful, just like when Joffrey killed Ned Stark, but I'm not going to relive that trauma. And basically, it also prevented like free slaves um, from feeling confident in the fact of like, oh, we can really maintain our freedom. Despite his death, Taki's military fought on, hoping to realize his dream. Many slaves committed suicide to avoid capture, and others who were recaptured were sold off to different masters. By the end of 1760, the British had reinforced order, and then they conducted a mass unmarked burial for all the slaves that they killed during the war. Let's keep it real, that they murdered during the war. To commemorate the sacrifice of King Taki and other revolters, there stands the Taki Waterfall in Jamaica. I like. I have to go see this. Um, as well as the high school that bears his name. He is yet another example of standing ten toes down and truly choosing liberty or death. Like, if I can't be free, bury me 
in the ocean with my ancestors. Um, so salute to King Taki and everything that he stood for being with the shits through and through. And now let's move on to the rest of Joy Has Questions. Hello, and on this week of Geeked Up, No Way She Codes is disowning me because- Oh, yes. (laughs) Because we just, fine, we're just going to start off- I love how the fact we talk about oh blackness and openness, all the judgment well, I'm, I'm getting. It's just it's not even like the the that oh you're black. You never seen this. It's like as a child, you know when Saturday morning cartoons came on, like how I watched Recess. Well, before. actually, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like Yu Gi Oh came on in that time. No, we're we're gonna start this from the beginning. So my black ass does not give a day. Well, I won't say I don't give a day. No, I don't. But <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. Yes. Okay. That's that's blasphemy. Blasphemy. That's black boy blasphemy. No, that's not, it's that's not. The, but that's that's the see that's that's the stigma right there. That I feel like growing up in the black community, it's like, oh, that's for boys. That's for boys. And no, then, it truly was the original like Monday Night Raw, but it was a soap opera for them niggas. When I was no, it was a soap opera for me, my nigga. <laughs> fuck them niggas. It was a soap opera for me. I was sitting right there with my cousins, just like, fuck, another week. What's, I can't do this. What's the blonde next, hair when bad or good? That's how, when I tell you, I have So you don't no know what it means when people say, like, I'm about to go Super Saiyan? Get out. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Next time, the next segment, she's going to be caught up, y'all, because I can't live like this. I can't work. <laughs> I can't, can't work under these conditions. I should be like, I'm walking. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> Put it in my contract, bitch. Okay, if you dra- have not watched there's this. There's Dragon Ball Z. There's Dragon Ball Super. Like, that's... What was the boy that could bend wind? What was he? Uh, he was bald. Okay, for that's a whole different thing. The last that's Avatar, the last Airbender. Oh, okay, that was different. Fine. So we're just you didn't know that was different. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now okay for for real. I begged my. Let's just talk about. See, I love history. You love tech things. I begged. Like, on both knees begged my parents to let me stay up for a week straight so I could watch the Kim Burns documentary of the history of jazz. We come from two different existences. I definitely didn't see that. So I guess right. you got a point. <laughs> so I'm like, because I got Sundays by nine, when the wonderful world of Disney, so did my black ass. And so for me, that's the thing, like, yeah. And then also, my parents, like, the first thing that went, if our bills wasn't hitting right cable, I don't know about none of that shit. I so. mean, I feel you. I feel you. I only was able, like, to catch up on stuff at my daddy's house, because at my mom's house, we had See? we had the hot box. Different and if, houses. And if that box was at hot. <laughs> if that illegal, lukewarm, if that, cool. that illegal, if that illegal cable wasn't working out, <laughs> we ain't had nothing to watch. I don't so know what to tell you. I understand your struggle. I really do. But, but I did love Tuxedo Man. Okay, you have a little song. So here, here's a question. So did you know, like, for example, do you know who Samurai Jack is? It's okay if you don't. From Tropical Thunder. No, that was Simple Jack. Sorry, I'm thinking about Tropical Thunder. Samurai Jack was like a cartoon on Cartoon Network. Okay. Was it Cartoon Network or was it Nickelodeon? Pretty sure Cartoon Network. It was a cartoon. <laughs> well, what I was about Samurai Jack was like, um, like the intro and everything was really hip-hop-ish. A lot of people don't realize, like in a lot of anime or Asian culture shows that whatever, there's a, there's a lot of hip-hop culture within them. Yeah. For example, like when you go to like, you go to get ramen. 
I can't go get ramen these days without like it playing some old school underground hip hop. Yeah. And I'm with it. Like, you know, so it's like Samurai Jack, the intro itself is just super dope. Okay. I will definitely look into that. You know, so it's just like. I will there, give Samurai you know, Jack these are, a moment. Even though these are like animes, there are things about them that like connect with us as a people. No. and that's- As a people. <laughs> We run the spectrum. We are not required to know all things, you know. Black you ever see people with like the headbands and has like a silver plate on it? Yeah. Okay. That's see, that's based off of anime too. It is. Yes. That's that's why they wear them. It has like the plate has like a little symbol on it. That's based off of anime. Too. Fine. So I already know this week we about to you about to talk about some shit. I'm like, mm-hmm, girl, tell me more. <laughs> oh, so super exciting! It's been announced for a while, but I thought I would share. For all of you guys who, you know, have had a Game Boy or you've had a Nintendo, well, lately, uh, the Nintendo Switch came out a couple years ago. Um, If you don't know, the reason why Nintendo consoles always change is because Nintendo is a company that builds its consoles and refreshes them and and have completely new consoles every time they refresh them to give gaming a different experience. So that's why, like, Nintendo 64 is not a thing, and then they'll give a Wii, but now Wii's not a thing, and now we have the Nintendo Switch. Um, Which is probably why I see people all the time as commodities, like, keeping them. Yeah. Honestly, it's like, I still have my Nintendo 64. Okay. Because that makes, that's actually a very smart business model. Because it's like, you want that specific experience. You know, like, it's kind of like, how can I, you know, like PlayStation and Xbox, like, they have new consoles, but a lot, like, a lot of things are the same. Like, you're you're not, like, reimagining things, you know, every time you get a new Xbox or a new PlayStation, right? But when you get, like, the newest type of Nintendo, it's like, wow. This is, like, like the Nintendo 64 controller versus, like, the Wii controller. Those are, like... I mean, Wii was, like, yeah, interactive like, it's so, like, like, you know, totally out of this world. So Nintendo's, like, big on giving new experiences. Um, so Nintendo Switch came out, and now recently they're about to drop the Nintendo Switch Lite. So what's kind of cool about the Nintendo Switch is it's, like, it's, like, a... I don't want to say a Game Boy... But uh, it's it's handheld like a Game Boy, but bigger. It has a huge screen. Um, you can, like, download Netflix on it. But then, like, you can play by yourself. It has two controllers that are detachable, and you can play by yourself and take them off. Um, or you can you can take them off and, like, give it to somebody and somebody else. And then what's left is a screen. You can kind of, like, prop it up. So it's, it can go from being handheld to being, like, a community game. Oh, wow. That's yeah. actually kind of dope. It is kind of dope. And it can still, like, the screen itself. So you, can still, you two can both have the controllers, and the screen itself can still hook up to the TV. So it's like, it's pretty dope, like how they did that. So they just announced the um, Nintendo Switch Lite to come out in September. Um, and I think it's going to be a little different of an experience as it is going to be smaller. I think it'll it'll kind of cater more to uh, the Game Boy fans, the handheld console um, gamers. So I'm actually trying to get one um, because I haven't had a handheld in a while, which is probably good because then I wouldn't get work done. But... <laughs> So like my, I'll get back to code. My boyfriend has a, has a the the regular switch, so it's like we play a lot on there. So I want to get the handheld one. It's smaller, more lightweight. Uh, has a lot of the same features. Actually cheaper, but like you can't detach the controllers. It's kind of only for you. Um, but there will be like multiplayer settings that they work out. It just kind of not work the same as the regular switch that is out now. So that's what I got as far as gaming news. But coming out with it. 
um, since we were talking about gaming and shows, and that's how we even got to the discussion of what no, she has not. No, that's how we got to judgment. Whatever. <laughs> the discussion of what she hasn't watched is one of the big games coming out with the Switch in the, in the Switch uh, Lite era uh, is the Pokemon Sword and Shield combo. Man, fuck Pikachu. Fuck you. <laughs> Digimon, digital. Anyway, see over here repping Digimon. Digimon bye, bye, bye. <laughs> anyway, so uh, fun fact about Pokemon, which is super dope. One of the biggest Pokemon's that came out in my time was Pokemon Yellow, and everybody loved Pokemon Yellow because in the that's the only game Pikachu followed you. Like you see your character walking, and Pikachu follows you with him. Yeah, so that's the only game you also get Pikachu in the so beginning. He's no, he's your Pokemon. Oh, okay. But you usually keep you keep your Pokemon like in the Pokeballs. But oh. in the actual game, like Pikachu is actually following you. Walking with yes, you. Yes, okay. walking with you. Stalker, why you why do you like this? <laughs> but if you got like Pokemon blue and Pokemon red, like you didn't get Pikachu in the beginning and no one's following you. It just it just was cool to have Pokemon. I know. think I fundamentally took offense to him just because I'm like, if he got mad, you gonna electrocute me after all the shit I didn't did for your ass. Like I mean, low key the concept of Pokemon's a little wild. I'm not even gonna like go there. Like why are we keeping people like in a in a ball? Is that is that endangerment? I still love it. I thought it was conservation. I didn't know what was happening. In it. It but the way, to, like, the way it's supposed to work is like it's supposed to like break down the molecules of the Pokemon when they go into the ball. And, when they, and like put them back together when they come out. It's like supposed to be the concept behind it. So now, okay, now that's that like, makes I sense. never knew that. So like when that's they're cool. in the balls, like they're not like hurt. Like they're not like you know whatever. So they're it's, mush. It's yeah, it's okay. Um, but yeah, Pokemon Yellow is the highest grossing Pokemon game to date. Okay, which is insane because there's been so many. There was platinum. There was gold. There's all these other ones that are new with all these million other Pokemons I don't even I'm know tell about. You, I hate these children upstairs, but you keep talking. Okay. Um, so it's like the fact that we have gone through many generations of Pokemon games um, and even down to Pokemon movies now. I mean, there's always been a Pokemon movie. And if you've never seen the Pokemon movie with Mew and Mewtwo, please don't answer that because I'm going to get upset. That's a classic. Uh, anyway, but we just had a live I action. the movie was amazing. Oh, great. You're lying. <laughs> You're lying. Oh. But um, we have. Oh, that happened. Oh, she redeemed herself. <laughs> we recently just had a live action Pokemon movie called Detective Pikachu. And that was based off a previous game, a previous Nintendo game. So it's like now that we're going into a new generation of Pokemon games um, that kind of play off each other. So when they come out like Sword and Shield, Sword and Shield like kind of play off of each other and you can just be able to play both connect them compare contrast whatever um so to see how that's gonna go with the new generation is gonna be really interesting if you've never played pokemon before you should relive some childhood it's fun it's i actually wanted to play pokemon go no but you're over the, uh, the audacity of you to sit here and look at me and be like, it's Digimon, and then want to play Pokemon No, Go. I did, but then the thing is, I got self-conscious because it was the only time I saw, like, grown and stalking playgrounds and looking for these imaginary, yeah. like, but the characters. Thing, so Chicago is actually a great city. I think any, like, big city, but I really love Chicago. It's a great city to play Pokemon Go because, like, you could literally, especially, like, if you're walking, like, down Grant Park, you know, they treat it like a field. Yeah. And Pokemon just be popping out. I saw tons of people, so like, like, tucking and rolling and so shit. It's like, I'm I used like, to, what is happening? I used to live on Michigan Avenue, and, like, Pokemon would just come and find me because I was right by the park. It was phenomenal. <laughs> 
You out there too. But the purpose. But the purpose of Pokemon Go, and people don't know this too, is supposed to be a fitness app. It's supposed to get people to go out there and walk. Like it's supposed to. Like this is what America has come to. Yeah, no, they really to trick your fat that, like, asses. I mean, like it, it, it's still like a cool like AR game, augmented reality game. That's what it is at the end of the day. But a big purpose of it was fitness, and it, it, people don't realize is when you're walking with Pokemon and you're out there, it's tracking your steps. And it goes back into your health app. And so it also can tell, like, let's say, because you would get, like, a bonus or extra point or whatever um, by running or walking or whatever, like, while you're hunting for Pokemon. So, like, let's say, though, you're driving. It knows, like, you're driving. So I wouldn't count that. So it was, it's, like, really, it's in another way getting people to be fit, you know, getting I like back getting to being lied a, to, but I like it. Yeah, but I like it, but I don't. So <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's not a lie. You're still playing Pokemon, but you're also, you know, getting sexy. <laughs> I'm done. Okay, well, before we have any other judgment about what I have not watched, Girl, in I don't the, even want to ask the tech um, child world. <laughs> Um, we are going to wrap this up and no, thank you love for sharing again, as always with, uh, your amazing geeked up segment. Yeah. And then we will, <laughs> gee, this, <laughs> I hate me too. I hate me too. It literally, it just sounds like this little like sex kid and it's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm done. But yeah, so we will have you next week. Hello, good people. It's your girl, Joy Has Questions, and I am here sitting with the fat, like, first off, skin glowing like the skincare line you have. We're going to get to that. Like, fashionable like the other brand that you have. So I'm like, look at this brand building, this representation right here. But I have the wonderful, beautiful, creative Neji Akune. Did I say it right? Akune. Neji Akune. Neji Akune. Mm -hmm. And again, forgive me, I'm always trying to get people's names correct. Having you on the show today, super excited. You look phenomenal, thank boo. Thank you, thank you, so do you. Thank you. But we are jumping right into this because I think you are an amazing example of what happens when, like, true black girl magic gets together. Definitely met you through my sister, Chastity Keys, of the Chat Chasing Chastity blog, or I should say Chasing Chas blog. <laughs> and so to have you on the show, she was so right. She's like, you're going to love her. She's like you. She's like me. I'm like, <laughs> she's dope so what in the world like tell us your story in general right because I've heard like oh you kind of had a corporate background and now you have I I don't know how you do it but you have not one but multiple empires in the making (laughs) speak it Getty we coming for you bitch okay so like tell tell the people a little bit about yourself like your interests how that even developed into what your brands currently are Okay, um, first of all, I am a Nigerian-American, so I'm a first-generation Nigerian, uh, born in Columbus, Ohio, and born and raised there, um, went to school in Ohio, and I, typically as a Nigerian, you know, like, or West African or African in general, like, our parents kind of, like, tell us, you know, like, go be a lawyer, doctor, engineer. I was never interested in any of that kind of stuff. Like, STEM-based. Um, yeah, STEM-based. And I, I wasn't necessarily interested in any of it. But when I when it came to my high school graduation, I was like, oh, I'm going to go study pharmacy. And it was just, <laughs> it was just a joke because, I mean, like, people looked at me like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 congrats. But everybody knew I wasn't going to do that. Um, <laughs> but I ended up graduating with a bi- uh, bachelor's in biology and psychology. And um, literally, like, almost, like, right after that, I moved to California. Um, and it was more so like a, 
all right, y'all, I'm leaving. My parents were upset. My dad was upset. Um, but I still left. I I moved there. It wasn't really doing anything. Um, then like after like after like three or four months, I got a fellowship that took me to Germany. And that's honestly where um I started to I guess fall into my purpose because mm. um what I was always interested in was um everything fashion <laughs> beauty lifestyle but like always wanting to relate it to africa and the african continent and so um i ended up getting a fellowship in germany through h&m and it was through um it was for a retail sustainability program and so what we did was we essentially um had this project called the green store challenge where we uh were given a task and i was working with 12 other individuals from all around the world and we're given a task to redo a whole retail space of what we saw H&M sustainability measures were because H&M at the time was the only and the first and the only um fast fashion company to to full-on I remember like H&M conscious or if I'm saying it it, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly Mm -hmm. but I remember like there was a specific section yeah and once it evolved focused Mm -hmm. on that yeah, so that was that was already there in place. Okay. Well, they were trying to figure out how do we make our stores seem more sustainable. Mm. And so that was our job as a consultant to come in and say, like, okay, let's do the market research, let's go around. It was in Germany because um, they're huge with, uh, like, Greenpeace sustainability, and that's that's what's important to Germans um, per se. And so I did that for about six months. And um, while I was there, I was also working on a separate project that I was looking to uh, diversify the luxury fashion industry. That project kind of like went by the wayside. So it's not something I'm, I'm focused on right now, but that's why that's what took me to Germany was to work with H&M and to also work on my other project to diversify the luxury fashion industry. And so that was 2014. Um, I then moved back to the States. I ended up moving to Los Angeles, moving from, the, so when I moved to California, I moved into the Bay and then I ended up moving to LA hey. when I came back. And um, I ended up working like, I wouldn't call them random jobs because they were like actual jobs, but like it was just like randomly how I fell upon them. And so first I worked with Live Nation uh, doing email marketing and then I worked with, yeah, then I worked with um, Beats by Dre and I thought that was the coolest one because it was like, it was, I came in right after like their, one of the, I guess, I think it was like one of the biggest marketing campaigns ever, which was a straight out of Compton campaign. Right. Um, and it was like so much buzz, so much excitement. And so like, I got to like really be around that and, and really learn from great people. Um, and around that time, my sister and I had started our brand, Ilera Apothecary. And, um, that's an organic and vegan skincare company. Might have to get to that later. A little I know bit. we're getting there. Okay. I'm like, Cause the glow is real. Tell it might what? be a thousand degrees outside. <laughs> But you're giving a good, good skincare <laughs> like routine. I see it. <laughs> okay, yeah. So like we started uh, Ilera Apothecary in 2015, and so um, while I was working on, I was not only getting my master's, but then I was working with Beats by Dre, and I was um, doing the the skin our skincare line. Um, my sister was like, "Well, hey, why don't you just come here?" Uh, my sister's based in Detroit, and that's where the best the business is based. And so she was like, "Why don't you just come here and like do the rebranding and remarketing, and just take a break from LA for like you know like two to three months?" And so like I had every intention of just like going to Detroit. Cause I'd never really been to Detroit before. I was just going to go, you know, um, do the rebranding and then come back and like really like immerse myself into all things, marketing, all things, lifestyle, entertainment, parties, all the good stuff. Yeah. So I ended up, um, leaving LA, got to Detroit, worked on it for three months. And then I was like, well, you know, I might as well get a job because I feel like I haven't necessarily fulfilled, um, my parents, 
I guess what they wanted Journey. me to do. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Like you're still trying to figure <laughs> it out, but then it's like in the back of your mind, it's like, what do the OGs think? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I decided to apply for GM, uh, General Motors and my sister was working for the company at the time too. And so, um, I ended up getting the job and so I stayed in Detroit and, um, I, no, left all my stuff in LA, left all my stuff in LA, oh. stayed in Detroit. Um, and then I was doing this development program through General Motors and then they ended up moving me to Oklahoma city. So I was in Detroit for like six and a half months and then I moved to OKC and I was Ooh, like, wait girl. a minute, what? <laughs> Woo child the fields. Like, I was like, are you guys joking? Like, and they were like, no, this is like the NBA draft. Like either you're in or you're out. And I was like, I mean, I want to be out, but I also... <laughs> Am I in as a wife? Am I... Is he... Is a bill being paid? Like, what is the end? Like, it was the craziest experience. So I ended up going to Oklahoma City and um, working and doing my job. And at the same time, I was just so totally just more so... Um, it was... I was unfulfilled because I knew I wasn't working in my passion and I was doing something that was like completely left field of like what I ever envisioned that I was doing. And so, um, after two years, um, after two years spent, spent in Oklahoma city, I ended up, uh, quitting on May 31st, 2019. When? Uh, <laughs> Let's say that again. May 31st, 2019. Oh, okay. So that's where the glow's coming from. It's her skincare line as well as the fact that she's like, I'm in this for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was in it was kind of like the the best experience. Like literally the day that I quit, it was just like a huge weight was lifted off of my shoulders and I felt like I wasn't lying to myself anymore and I wasn't like just trying to do things that like didn't really make any sense to me. And mm-hmm. so um or working for somebody else's vision and yeah, not, and, and balancing and not, your own. Right. And it, and it, that was it was so hard to do because I mean, I want to give my all into something, but I want to give my all into like my own vision. Um, and so when I was like working full time, I was just like, man, you know, like this company's great, but like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's too much and none of it's making any sense. And, and again, it wasn't something that I never saw myself in automotive. It's not what I grew up around. Like it wasn't, I never, GM never crossed my mind until my sister started working for the company. And so that was just like, you know, in my adulthood. And I was just like, I got I can't do this anymore. So um, I guess that's, that's my, my story. That's amazing. (laughs) But no, and that's the thing, like you said something that actually really stood out to me, right? You brought up the fact of like when I originally moved to LA and it was kind of like, you know, I'm here for a couple of, you know, months vagabond and just trying to work it out. But fellowships don't fall into your lap. It's yeah. not like, you know, H&M sent you an email. It's like, you know, sis, we saw your edges. We really <laughs> like how you lay down your twist outs. Would you like to come to Germany? You, there was still some sort of effort being made, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that's also a good point just to highlight. Like, even if you're still in this state of like, I don't know what the fuck I'm about to do. Mm-hmm. But at least like you're still trying to move forward, even if it feels like you aren't, you know. Yeah. Um, You actually also brought up another good thing I wanted to hit on a little bit more in terms of talking about the expectations of parents, right? And we know across the board, doesn't matter what culture you're in, nobody's parents, I mean, unless it's like criminal minds or something, but nobody's parents is trying to destroy their kids or like make them feel stressed out. Everyone's parents wants them to succeed. Mm -hmm. So I have found, I guess, like looking at, it seems like in certain cultures or communities, there is definitely a push for you will go into STEM or you will get the hell out of this house. Mm -hmm. And so in regards to you, like what was, I know you say your dad was mad, but like what was the impact at first when it was just like, I'm not doing this 
And now what do you feel is like the reception in terms of like you're a bomb ass entrepreneur hosting events in multiple yeah. cities. So <laughs> is it kind of like, okay, we can trust you. She got it. Yikes. Um, <laughs> also disclaimer. I don't know. Her parents love them down. Like, <laughs> respect everybody's mom and daddy so this isn't me being like so this is what they were on no it's not that (laughs) yeah no so um the way I grew up and the way that my parents raised myself and my siblings was that we we had like this diverse kind of upbringing where um during the week you know we were like Americans we went to school Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff and then on the weekends we grew up like around Nigerians we had like I'm Igbo uh, from Nigerian. So we had Ebo classes, we had computer classes, we had things that were like really, um, I was just really surrounded around Nigerians on the weekends, birthday parties and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, the, the common talk was like, Oh, you know, like everybody's parents were doctors, lawyers, engineers. And so it just made sense that like everyone was going to fall in line with that. And so like the whole STEM field and potentially be a nurse and like all that kind of stuff. And for me, um, I, I uh, how am I going to say this? While, like, we did grow up, like, around Nigerians, like, we still, like, our mom was, like, huge on, like, putting us into different, different kind of programs from, like, um, Boys and Girls Club, Upper Bound, like, different summer camps and all that kind of stuff. We had, like, this diverse experience. And so I just was, like, what is STEM? I mean, it's cool, but, like, mm-hmm. I, like, was always creative and I was always creating something. And I always knew that, like, what I wanted to do was more so on the making an impact in a, in a creative way, always, my mind was always on the African continent. And I think that was because I wasn't born there, but I was just like, I want to, you know, I want to be part of the cool kids. Like, that's why I felt like, I felt like I'm missing something. And so, um, well, that's really I, yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I, when I was like going to school and studying, you know, like I would do my work, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't be anything that was exciting to me. And I tell my parents like, yo, this is saying what I want to do, but you know, I'll do it fine. Sure. Um, but then when I graduated, I was just like, I'm still not, I'm not going to go to pharmacy school. Um, my dad was like, you know, like, what about, what about going back to school for two years and being a nurse? I was like a nurse. What? I, I don't even like, I can't see blood. Like I can't, I can't do those kinds of things. Totally so, respect the profession. It, yeah. Yeah. No, totally. But respect I fall the out when someone puts a needle in me. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it just wasn't something that like interests me and my mm-hmm. body and my mind was just always drawn to more cultural development and like huge on diversification and huge on just like amplifying that African voice. And so I just ultimately decided that, you know what, if I stay, in Ohio, because I, after graduation, um, didn't get a full-time job. So I was like Mm -hmm. in Ohio and I was like working for my dad and my dad is a pharmacist. And so it's like, you know, like it's an extra push because it's just like, he's a pharmacist. I I was just like, why are you, why are you not doing this? Um, I was just like, you know, I'm just going to leave. And then that's what me leaving is what pushed me to just continue to just like going on this path. My dad was, my dad didn't talk to me for like two years. (laughs) Wow. Um, he talked to me for like two years. We spoke a little bit, but like we didn't have like full on conversation. Yeah, we didn't have a relationship. Um, and he was he was mad. And so, um, my mom is always good. My mom was always kind of like supportive. She's just always just like you know, I just want you guys to be happy. You guys can mm-hmm. be successful in any way that you can be. Just do that. As long as my kids aren't on the street, like you know, like begging us to do anything, you guys are all supporting yourselves. So just keep doing it. Um, but my dad, you know, 
he wants he he under and, and, and I understand because it's like STEM careers they're kind of guaranteed money like you you are guaranteed a job Not, and guaranteed good money yeah like let's yeah. put that out here like it's yeah. a nice so you can be comfortable with it right and so when you're wanting to you know like do other things like in the art field or anything else it's just like what are you gonna what like did right. I send you to school to to paint like you can do that on the side while doing something else like you have to be doing something else um but with that, it's just like my dad is an entrepreneur in, in itself. And so I'm just like, well, you're an entrepreneur. Why can't I be one too? Like, I understand that, you know, like you still went through pharmacy school and then opened your own pharmacy. But like, how about we just cancel the pharmacy school part and just open the own, right. <laughs> open the own business? Um, so, yeah, it took a, a while for my dad to like really come to terms with the fact that um, I wasn't going to do it. My siblings, I was the only one who didn't graduate with, with a science degree. I was the only one. Um, Wait, but like, I thought you got your bachelor's. As well, I, I got my bachelor's in, so my my major was psychology. My I minored in biology. So right. it wasn't like a oh, full was, on, like. Okay. I thought it was yeah. flipped. I thought it was you majored in biology. Okay, gotcha. Right, but everybody else graduated with like a science, some kind of science degree. Uh-huh. Um, And so I actually just had a conversation with my dad over the weekend, last weekend. And I was just like, you know, like, how do you define success? And like, how do you view your children's success? I was like, because a lot of times that I think about it, I don't think that you think we're successful and we're all entrepreneurs. And he was just like, it's not that I don't think that you guys are successful, but I just want to make sure that you guys can sustain yourselves. And so uh, sustain the success. And I think that also you say, I think that translates differently Mm -hmm. between a mother and a father. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's like, he is always like, I am king of the castle. I, it's my job to make sure I've given you the tools so in the event I'm not here, I know you're good, mm-hmm. you know? And so it is, it can be hard for parents. And I, I've experienced that too. It's like, okay now, like, do you have this? Are you okay? And you get it. But it's like, those are just growing pains at times. Like you, you still have to live for yourself, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Because it's like, if you mentally aren't feeling fulfilled, anybody can have the best intentions. They're not you. They don't yeah. have to deal with, truly the ramifications of your decisions they just get to give their opinions on it you right, know right 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 and so um yeah I just literally had a conversation with my dad last weekend and I was like okay well I'm good then it kind of like again once again it was just like a weight lifted off of my shoulder because I know that right. okay I don't have to go and try to figure out how I'm gonna incorporate some level of stem anything into my into my lifestyle because it's not what I want to do and so um I now I feel at peace like I'm good and I'm just like let me just continue to press on and keep pushing on with these million ideas that I have in my mind and let's uh, get to (laughs) two of them because I'm like I was at your event at Bureau Bar like this is lit like this will look okay black people Um, but no so I know you mentioned um earlier you have your two brands and Mm -hmm. I, I just like tell everyone in terms of like you like you clearly had the interest to be in you know fashion and skincare and beauty and now you found a way to merge them mm-hmm. or not merge them because they're two separate brands but um explain like a little bit more about them and then also like you know 
what brought them about. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so start with the one at Bureau Bar. So I'm the founder of African Loom and it is an online men's journal focused on, um, fashion, lifestyle, travel, and culture for Fine. African Fine. men, both on the continent as well as within her diaspora, so anywhere around the world. And that one started actually after I came back from Germany. One of my friends that I met when I was in Germany, uh, one of my guy friends was like, hey, you know, like, you know, you work for H&M, like, I want you to style me. And so I got on um, Tumblr. Tumblr was cool at the time. And I got on Tumblr, and I was, like, looking through different pictures, and I kept seeing, you know, like, white men, Asian men. And I'm like, where are black people at? Like, I know stylish black people, but I don't see them at, like, in street style. I don't see them, like, at Fashion Weeks. And I'm just like, Search engines. Yeah, search engines. And I actually Googled. What I did was I Googled African man on Google, and it was, like, a guy like men with their shirts off. Um, a couple of shots of Jadena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Jadena wasn't even out then. This oh, was, damn. This was like 2014. So Jadena wasn't like really popping. Um, like the tribalistic viewpoints of like what people think like African look, men look like and how they walk around all day with like fur around their waist. And I was like, this is not what I see. Like, this is not how I grew up. So that's when I like decided to create African loam. And Af- um, loam in French means the man. And I decided to name it that because I'm like well a lot of African countries uh, I mean we're colonized by the French so like and a lot of them speak French so I'm just like you know something that's relatable and something that honestly just flows it just made sense so then from there I started an Instagram page and that continued to grow um and then I I kept going back and forth through like oh do I actually want to do this do I not want to do it so um while I had the idea in 2014, it didn't fully manifest itself until 2019 when I hosted my first event in Chicago, um, July 1st. And it was just like a great way for me to really understand like how, how men just talk to each other, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like, what is that they're looking for? Um, and so I'm building out that editorial platform and continuing to build out exactly what it is that I want it to look like. It's still something that is like ever growing and transforming into something that I'm really excited um, to continue to do. I mean, you are on the cusp of 11,000 followers for yeah, that as well. Yeah. And it, <laughs> I've seen the reach and engagement as well as, let me just, you know, send you a couple of highlights of if you know them, if they're single, like, no, I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm like, just, you know, we can discuss afterward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it is a beautiful platform. And I think that's the thing, like, looking when we are looking at ourselves as brands or whatever our interests or our passions are like those pages that's your tactic right but it's based in what you always said you wanted it to be which is that connection like you said to the cool kids to Africa to the beauty that you see represented in person that you didn't see projected from big brands or just you know from society viewpoint and let me just say myself I have never seen a suit that has been tailored the way God tailors them on African men. I'm yeah. Like, who are they? <laughs> is this bespoke? Like, who is this? Like, and that's why it was always so confusing to me because I'm just like, how, why, where are we missing this? I mean, because there are other brands, you know, like men's magazines, and I'm like, but we don't, it's not that we necessarily, it's not that like different brands have to focus primarily on black people, mm-hmm. but. Can Black we get people one? buy. Yeah, yeah. And like, even if I'm talking about just like the African continent alone, like, there are a lot of high earners and what they have to do is they have to leave their country, like fly to Europe, fly to America and like go buy these suits and then go back home. Like there's, there, I mean, the barrier to entry is like really, really, it, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, there's not access to, 
I guess the Western um, luxury brands and um, no one wants to speak to them at mm-hmm. all. And so that's why I'm just like, you know what? I can do it by myself. I have seen more, and this is even in terms of like women's wear as well. I have seen like there's been more highlight and, and social media has been good about that in the sense of with us being able to take that into our own hands, like putting that type of content out there ourselves, you know, and Lord knows I mm-hmm. <laughs> I stay buying so much shit through Instagram. <laughs> so um, that's something that I really think, you know, is different more so before. It's kind of like it shifted the model. Like before it's like, oh, I, we have to wait for these brands to mm-hmm. somehow stumble upon her. So I, I stood outside of Vogue for hours just yeah. to see Anna. Hopefully she, you know, my my casting card. Or now it's just like, girl, I already have the baked in, you know, reaching engagement. So if you want to tap into my audience, here's my fees talk amongst yourselves and then come back to me. Um, so I think that is a really dope, like a shift, I should say in the paradigm that mm-hmm. I think is really amazing. So tell me about your other brand. Yes. Because with this heat <laughs> girl and as well as the fact that I'm over here drinking Starbucks, like it's going out of style. I, I need some keys. So let's go. <laughs> so I'm also the co-founder of Vilera Apothecary. It's a company that I started with my sister back in 2015 and it is an organic and vegan uh, personal care line. So we sell skincare products as well as personal care products from mouthwashes to um, aluminum-free deodorants. And that's how it started, actually, was that our youngest brother decided to go vegan. And he was looking for an organic and vegan deodorant that was not only, you know, like, organic and vegan, but also worked because back in 2014, 2015, there weren't a lot of ones that were effective. I mean, they, they were out not, there. Let me just say <laughs> I'm sorry, but... If I wanted to roll around in nuts and berries, I'd have just done that. Like, I need good quality control. Yeah, so he actually made his own. Um, and it worked because my brother used to not smell good. So it was <laughs> it was like, whoa, like, this house smells good. Like, what's happening in here? And so um, he, he made his own, but it was more of, like, in a liquid form. And so it wasn't something that... that could be mass produced. Right. Like he couldn't, and we weren't even thinking about making it a business at first, but he used it and we were just like, okay, this is, this is like a work of God. Like, how do you make this? And so he worked with my sister to refine it. And my sister has a chemistry background. And so like he worked with her to like, kind of like figure out how to do it. And so what my sister did was she took it and she started to give it away at, um, her birthday party and as party favors. And people were just like, yo, this is dope. Like, I love this. Like, can I get more? And so she was like, I'm going to start a business. And she named it another name, um, before. And I was just like, this, uh, this name doesn't make any sense. So like, let me actually, let's actually bring it back and bring, and, and bring something into it. And so we were just looking for different names. Um, like I said, in the beginning, like we're Ebo, but we couldn't really find a name that really related to like health. And so we, um, tapped on our Yoruba friends doors and we're like, Hey, you know, like, what's a name that we can use in Ilera in uh, Yoruba means health. And so, um, we decided to then put apothecary in there because our dad's a pharmacist. His dad is a pharmacist slash chemist. And so we were like, you know, the old term for pharmacy is apothecary. So, you know, to make it like a lot more cultural vibey and just make, make the brand stand out a little more. Um, uh, we it named it fancy. Yeah, I like Ilera it apothecary. So, uh, we, we carry, like I said, we carry aluminum-free deodorants, both solid and spray, um, a full fleet of shea butters, uh, body butters, body washes, um, mouthwashes, and our body butters come in four different scents. Um, all of our shea butters are straight from Ghana, and um, all of our ingredients are natural, and so that's like what we really want to focus on is um, we not only want to continue on 
um, just not only telling the story of shea butter, because a lot of the products that we think foods that we eat, um, a lot of the, a lot of the like lotions and stuff, they all have shea butter in it, but we don't know that no one really tells the story of shea butter because shea butter can only be found in Africa yeah. from East to West. So in central and in between. So, um, it's like this, this huge market that no one knows about. And I think it's important for us to continue to tell that story. There was one, it was an IG video. It was a young lady and she was talking about, like, it was, she's showing, like, in the actual community or village or neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, but she's showing, like, the process to make it. And it, it, just the fact that you can do that with your hands yeah. to liquefy yeah. nuts and turn mm-hmm. it into something that, like, is so great for your skin. I live, breathe. I'm always, like, drenched in it. I mean, yeah. especially in the winter because mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to keep the moisture. <laughs> like, this air is trash. Um but I think that's amazing to see. I think it also, like, I'm always preaching, preaching, I guess it is the best way to put it, about equity, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like when it comes to the fact, like, as a continent, if Africa literally got swallowed underwater like mm-hmm. Atlantis, this world is fucked. Yeah. Like, <laughs> because, and, and I say everybody's economy is about to, it's going to be World War Z in this bitch because... From diamonds to raw minerals to technology mm-hmm. to hell, the copper that is used in fiber, whatever. Yeah. Fiber optics, like it is all coming out of Africa. And I've seen like even recently this huge surge from the Asian, this huge surge from the Asian community mm-hmm. in Africa. Yeah. And I'm like, huh, why would this other, because I, I treat countries, I don't know if you know this, but I treat them like brands. Mm-hmm. I don't treat them as like countries. I'm like, why would this big corporation Mm -hmm. known as China be interested in Africa. Hmm. And so it's, it's really showing like we've got to start getting a hold of our story. Yeah. We really have to, because it's, it's literally critical to our survival. It's Mm -hmm. like, I I hate when I watch all the largest diamond found in, you know, the South. I'm like, how do you come with somebody else's shit and give them 10%? of what is on their land. It's actually, it's, it's quite appalling. And it's one of those things, like even when you talk about, um, stories and African stories, my favorite author, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, she always, like, she has a talk about, um, the danger of the single story. And so that's actually what continues to urge me to want to, even as I'm creating these brands and as I'm so Africa focused is to make sure that I'm not, I'm telling the story of different Africans because Africa is is a continent, right? Yeah. It's not just a country. It's not just a single, single place where someone can just go and be like, oh, I went to Africa. And so I think it's important to like, if we say like, I'm getting the shea butter today, we can get it from Ghana. Tomorrow we can get it from Mali. The next day we get it from Nigeria. And there's so many, and there's different, they all feel different. Um, even though the process of making it is all the same, I think it's important to, um, Tell the stories of the makers. Look at you. I was like, what do you mean it feels different? Which version do I have? Like, is there a velvety or what? Like, like, let's talk. Yeah, they're they're all different. And and those are things that people don't really know. And so even with um, this, when you talk about China being in Africa, um, Lebanese being in like heavily in Nigeria, and there's so many other countries that are like really capitalizing on the greatness that is um, the African continent. But like we as Africans, even African Americans, like we don't we don't have our our level of storytelling isn't as strong as like what's out there. If, mm-hmm. if I still googled Africa, I'd still see some kind of tribalistic viewpoint of like what Africa is because we're so late to be telling our own stories. 
or it's always and and I'm just using this as an example like the Maasai tribe and that is literally I always see that tribe focus I'm like they are a beautiful tribe yeah. they are beautiful at an aspect of Africa mm-hmm. but I'm like there are more millionaires in Nigeria, yeah. I, I think per capita than anywhere else in the world, like in terms of stati- or just some ridiculous stat. I'm like, these kids are growing up Ghana. Like they are out here mm-hmm. like, bitch, there's two Maybachs in my backyard. <laughs> so I don't know what struggle y'all are going through, yeah. the, the poorness of America, but we're good over here, you know? And I, I laugh and like, you know, it's a key and it's a joke, but that's the thing, like, Seeing the perception, or it's like you see those pages, like what they you Africa is, and then it's like you see this other perception where you look and it's just like, girl, this look like Mayberry, like yeah. <laughs> these gated community, this nice ass neighborhood. Like, I just want to go to the DeVito concert on Friday and kick Listen. it. <laughs> like, can we do that? Like, what's your version of like Bureau Bar? Like, let's go. So. That's something that I think is is really dope to see, like as you having that intrinsically inside of you to be like, I'm sick of the fuck fuckery, mm-hmm. and we are gonna change this narrative. Um, wrapping up a little bit quickly, or just shifting. Um, you're busy as hell. I am. <laughs> what does that do to your personal life? To your, you know dating life to your overall peace of mind life like on average how can you balance anything else when you have so much going on so that's a really really good question and a question that I've been asking myself lately as I start to transition and uh move to I don't know if I'm jumping the gun but I'm I'm moving to Nigeria pretty soon so uh in a couple of weeks actually and one of the things that I found about myself is that if I truly calculate how many times I've moved I move every two years or so, two and a half years, like I'm mm-hmm. like in a different state. I'm on a different side of the country and, and, um, <laughs> dating. I mean, I've had two boyfriends in my life and, um, <laughs> I feel like that's where I Jasmine. You should put in the Alice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's great because I have friends literally all around the world and I'm able to connect with so many different people and I know how to, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those things where it's just like, I, 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 wherever I go, I feel like I'm at home because there's Mm -hmm. people there that I've met, but, um, I, I do think that it does hurt my, um, just like ability to like build like stronger connections and relationships because I'm not there so say for instance I left LA didn't even have LA I didn't have an intention of like leaving and like never coming back and so it's like the friends that I had there for the two years that I was there we're still friends but you know I don't get to go to brunch with them I don't get to go hang out with them I don't get to see them like um they better get a whatsapp number I don't think domestic calls are the way to go right about now. No. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where, um, I'm blessed that I'm busy. Um, I try and busy, booked, booked and busy. Um, I'm, I'm blessed that I, you know, my, my work has been able to like move me around and just take me different places. Um, but in terms of like friendship, health, I still maintain contact Thank God for social media. Thank God for, you know, like everything in, in our social medias now. Because if, if it was like 20 years ago when I was trying to do this, I don't know how people did it back in the day. But um, at the same time, like I still try to work out in the mornings. Um, I have 
what else do I do? I journal a lot, like every single day, like writing out my thoughts. Um, because you know, since I left my corporate job, I ain't got no insurance. You got to make sure that, you know, you're, you're <laughs> on this is day, <laughs> I felt like it just might be a day I slap somebody <laughs> like track it. Like let's get the tracking. Together. Yeah. Um, but even as I, I guess, transition and, and move to Nigeria, I, I already have contacts there because, um, a lot of my, some of my friends have moved. I do have a lot of the majority of my family members live in Nigeria. So it's like, I never feel alone. Um, but I do have to also remember and, and, and remind myself that like, I have to reach out to people because, Mm -hmm. you know, you never know, not necessarily when you're going to need somebody, but then when someone's going to need you or how our lives and past can kind of align to make something else great. that's the thing like I think that's all tied into the energy that you give out so it's like no matter where you go you always have that tribe that community that family that that sisterhood or that overall like kinsmanship to whoever you connected to right Mm -hmm. um I think that's that to me I think is indicative of are you a good person (laughs) and so the fact that you still even if it's not the same of like no you ain't ordering you know chicken and waffles this weekend with your girls in LA but at the same time like I'm pretty sure with them watching your success and vice versa, they're cheering you on just like you're doing the same for them. And that's what's really beautiful and amazing. Um, Wrapping up, because I know we have a shit ton of stuff to do. Like, (laughs) summertime shy is like, look, y'all complained all goddamn year. So fine. Here's your little four funky days (laughs) so y'all can have at it. But if there's anything when you're talking about and I'm not even saying from a business plan, but mm-hmm. if someone was like, okay, who the hell is Neji? Mm-hmm. What is it that you think that is separating you, that's keeping you focused, that's keeping you driving? Like, who's the Neji that you're chasing? Oh, that's a good question. Oh. Um, you could put Neji? that in your journal. <laughs> okay. <No. laughs> who's the Neji that I'm chasing? Um, I'm, I'm chasing a consistent Neji, a confident Neji, one that... Um, when Neji steps into the room, she knows who she is and she loves who she is. And she, it's just, she understands her, not her worth, but like the value that she brings. Um, and so that's something that I'm continuously striving for every single day is just to make sure that no matter where I go, what kind of meeting or conversation that I'm in, like I always have something to bring to the table, no matter how big, how small the idea, there's always something that's there. Um, consistency is, is, is one of my weaker points. So, you know, like I'm always striving to, um, make sure that I'm consistent and confident. So did I do three C's? I forgot the first one, but you know, like just consistent, confident and, uh, yeah, I'm just always bringing ideas to the table. I know there was another three, but I just forget what it was. But, I don't know if it was a C, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I know. That's, I, maybe I was, like, hoping in my mind that it was, like, no, three was C's. Like, I know. The so alliteration's like, there, girl. <laughs> I'm like, we're, hold on. We can do this. Charismatic. Go. Charismatic. <laughs> um, yeah, but I just, I, I really want to, I don't know if I, like, I yelled, but, like, I really, I really want to be um, just consistent um, and and just confident and, and know that, like, everything that I do I'm doing for a greater purpose and um I can be a boss if I want to so you know no no, no. Just, ain't no trying oh, if no, you're doing no. it I'm a boss <laughs> like, I'm a boss <laughs> check my resume I'm pina colada in <laughs> my y'all ramada in okay like 
Beyonce just dropped that. And I was like, that's a word. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, was that on her recent album? Yeah, on Lion King, the I gift. Listened to, I listened to it this morning, but I don't remember that. So I got to go back and listen it's to just, it again. It's just, you know, meme culture. Yeah. Everybody honed in on that. I was like, did she just celebrate yeah. Africa and sneak this Ramada <laughs> in at the um, But no, I think that that's the thing. Like, you're always supposed to be chasing yourself that you mm-hmm. want to be. And I think if you're always chasing the the you that you want to be, like, that's the fulfillment. Because it's like, that means you're tunnel vision on what the fuck your destiny and your purpose is. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't have a set answer, at least you know when you woke up, you got a little bit closer to figuring it out. It's mm-hmm. just you have to mind the business that pays you. And you also have to really, really tap into that. Even the part that scares you. And, and I have found... You and myself and, and the things that I've endeavored. It is so true. It's never going to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. If it's perfect, I damn, I'll be honest. I would not give away the formula to everyone for free. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm definitely going to like, I have the garden of eating keys. That's at least a thousand a session. <laughs> but I just feel like when it's really something that you're passionate about, that is what's going to keep you driving. Even on the days where you have to be like, look, bitch, I'm tired. I don't have it, yeah. you know? And so looking at your brands, looking at your, um, ap- I know how to pronounce this. It's the braces. Hold on. Apothecary. Say it again. Apothecary. Apothecary. Lord. Mm. This is a Dr. <laughs> Seuss nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're you know, actually interesting because I, we find a lot of people tripping up over apothecary too, and I think it's because maybe it's just not a word that's used. It's really for me is T's, mm-hmm. S's, and thus. Oh, bitch, <laughs> that has been taking me out all since March 16th when oh, I got these put on. Yeah. Um, but now, outside of that, outside of your apothecary, and then outside of your fashion brand, African Loam, mm-hmm. um, woo, <laughs> LH's, I'm great. <laughs> okay, but outside of those. It's really something that I know for a fact. I can see that it's already taking off. The vibe that even the event that you had, people went up for that shit. Everybody, yeah. You can get people to come out on a Tuesday. <laughs> I know. It was, it was a Monday. It was, was a Monday? Monday? Yeah, it was a Monday. On a Monday. <laughs> Fine. Got the club going up on a Monday. There were four other days of work. Yeah, like, yeah. And when you can have that type of turnout and that type of synergy and, and all these amazing, beautiful black professionals or mm-hmm. African professionals coming together, that is really like just a good ass boost. So I hope you really felt that love and that energy did, because I'm like, you have an am- amazing set of brands that I'm like, it's only going to get better from here. Thank you. Amen. Okay. (laughs) And on that note, we are now going to collect ourselves, try and stay out of this heat because I'm like, I have not put on no aloe vera, no sort of protection. Uh I got to get my life together, but I cannot thank you enough love for coming and blessing me with your presence on the show. Um, And yes, I just guys, if you all are not following her brands, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Like, Stop spending all your money on all this shit that is stripping your skin. Got everybody out here looking like Flex Washington when he tried to play Michael Jackson. Let's let's bring it on back. Natural will save your skin, people. But no, um, that is it. And I will holler at y'all later. Bye. Hey, everybody. This week for my motivational message, it is please understand that constructive criticism makes you better. I um I had my first event Blackout the Lion King a couple of weeks ago and holistically I was very moved just to have a room full of black creatives 
um, watching a movie that we had, you know, loved as kids and coming together and really building off the synergy. I did a survey, you know, for everybody just, you know, give their full thoughts. And while I did, it's it's statistics, right? Like some people are going to be super satisfied. Some people are going to be, you know, maybe not satisfied and say like rude things. Some people are actually going to take the time to give the feedback. Now me, you know, falling headfirst into my Piscean feelings, I was definitely in a space of how could you possibly say this? All this hard work and effort. But at the end of the day, that is what will make me better. For everyone who truly took the time out to say, hey, I like this, but I think this would have made it better, or this could have helped with the flow of the event, or this is something that I really think you should consider for next time. I am considering that for next time, because first and foremost, there will be a next time. The energy that I felt in that room is what I want to always feel when I'm around black professionals. Something of pushing the needle forward, of us taking back a little bit of our our space and us really enjoying one another, especially when stereotypes abound around us where we have so much shit that we have to deal with. If I can create something for us where we can truly be, you know, loving on one another, then I will forever continue to get better at taking the constructive criticism that comes with it as long as I know it's based in love. So for everyone who did take take the time for the feedback, I sincerely appreciate it and know that I will use that to be bigger and better. But on a larger scale, let's not be so defensive, you know, or let's not be so quick to speak when we do receive constructive feedback. The key point of that is that it is supposed to be constructive. Sometimes things that make you better might be hard to hear at first, but it's good to get that understanding so that you can improve. I would be way more in my feelings if no one would have said anything. I don't know, shit, no one gave a fuck. Like, But to actually have some sort of response, whether it was positive, whether it was passive, whether it was negative, that's what makes me happy. Because at least it shows some sort of attachment or, you know, fucks given. Um, I think that's something that is super important for us as business owners. Customer service is everything. Even if it's something that on the back end you might realize, like, look, I couldn't have done anything to change this. Your consumer doesn't know that. And I would rather just take that L or take it on the head and know what to do to make myself better than spend time trying to make excuses. Excuses are monuments of nothingness. And I am not out here trying to make Joy Has Questions be a subpar brand. I want my name to be synonymous with greatness and with good times and with positivity and with black equity. And I hope that everyone who has a brand, please continue also to use those tools, whether it be SurveyMonkey or MailChimp. They're aggregated into one another. So you can get those analytics. So you can really reach out into your target audience and see how they feel. There's no point in creating things if just like five people enjoy it. And uh, again, the majority of people enjoyed my event. I'm just, you know, shooting those, those metrics out there randomly. The point is for improvement and for growth. And it's unless you're ready to have those hard conversations, you're going to continue to stay in the same place. So that was just my motivational message for this week. Please be okay with constructive criticism and know that it's to make all of us better. I hope everyone has a beautiful week and I will see you later on Joy Has Questions.